Hey friends, you are listening to Real Talk with Rachel, and I'm your host, Rachel Gilbert. I am a therapist on mission to bridge the gap between mental and emotional health and faith. This show is a safe and often fun space with real conversations to help you live free and pursue your God-given dreams. Remember, these episodes are meant to be educational, not a replacement for your own therapist. You can tune in on Mondays for short talk therapy episodes that are always 15 minutes or less. And on Wednesdays, we sprinkle in guest interviews with people that I feel have a story that can bring you hope, healing, inspiration, or just a good laugh. You're going to want to stick around until the end of the show for a short segment where I share counselor-approved strategies to take this Real Talk episode and make it relevant in your everyday life through simple action steps. Now, if you've been listening to our talk therapy series on burnout this month, then you're familiar with today's guest who wrote the book that I've been referencing. So let me tell you a little about her. Dr. Amy Ohanna is a licensed professional counselor in Oregon and an approved clinical supervisor. She's a full-time professor of clinical mental health counseling at the University of Western States in Portland, Oregon, has been a full-time counselor educator for 18 years, manages her own private practice, and has been the director of two counseling training clinics. Amy's research interests are human potential and motivation, erotic intelligence, and integrative approaches in psychotherapy. She's the author of two published books. The first is When Your Child is Grieving, God's Hope and Wisdom for the Journey Toward Healing. And then the next one, which we're talking about today, is Beyond Burnout, What to Do When Your Work Isn't Working for You. When Amy's not writing, counseling, or teaching, you can find her working on her fixer-upper, playing with her French bulldog, Sunny, kayaking, or exploring the mountains of Central Oregon. My friends, Amy is very smart, as you can tell from her bio, but she's also very down-to-earth. I loved this conversation with her. I'm loving her book. So please help me welcome her to the show right now. Well, hello, Amy. Welcome to the show. Thank you so much. Nice to be here. Yeah, I always love to ask my guests, uh, what is maybe a fun fact about you that we wouldn't have read on your professional bio? Hmm, that is a great question. I am an avid DIYer. I just bought a little fixer-upper and I am learning all kinds of things like what I shouldn't be doing, like changing electrical fixtures and uh, getting on ladders and what is really fun to do, like painting and doing baseboard trim. That is fun. That's something I like to do in my spare time. I love that. I actually found you. I was coming home from a, I'm part of an organization called Called Creatives and I had attended a retreat and I was flying home and I was in the airport and I walked by your book and it like jumped out to me. I was like, I need that book. And here's why that is a big deal is I don't really buy books anymore because I get sent so many as a podcaster. Mm -hmm. Like it has to be a book that I'm really interested. Like, okay, I got to have this book. So I honestly read the title, which is called Beyond Burnout. And then saw enough of the back cover that I was, I I knew I needed it for me personally. I am a 
coming off of just finishing up grad school, starting to become an, a licensed therapist and writing my first book and raising three kids. And I'm like, I need this book. But not only do I need it, I knew my my clients, you know, need it. My um, listeners need it. And so I'm thrilled to talk to you about this topic. I have a million questions. We're not going to get to all of them. So we're going to see where the Lord decides to lead us. But if you could tell us a little bit about your heart behind this book and, you know, why you felt so burdened to write it. Great question. Well, first of all, I'm I'm glad you found it in an airport. I think when you're in transit, that's just such a unique moment in life where you're maybe a little more open or you're you're not in your day to day. And so the fact that the book was there and spoke to you is just really a, a very wonderful compliment. So thank you. My heart in writing this book. Well, I think if you were to learn a little bit about my story as a helping professional early in my career, I was a social worker. I experienced my own bout of burnout around the age of 24. It was so severe that I really thought about changing my career. I thought about going to business school and something brought me back to the helping professions field. And it's at that time, I actually decided to go back to grad school and get my master's degree in counseling. But the reason that that bout of burnout was so significant to me is that I have always known deep in my soul that I'm a helper and a teacher. And my burnout that I experienced was so severe that it almost changed the direction of my life. It almost changed the direct, my whole vocation. And because of that experience, I actually wanted to study burnout further. I wrote my doctoral dissertation on burnout I have always worked as a mental health professional, and one of the things that I really like to do in clinical supervision is help counselors and therapists with their own vocational burnout, secondary traumatic stress. And then um, fast forward to my mid-40s, the publisher, Harvest House Publishers, I have a, a really good colleague there who basically asked me to write this book. She knew about my experience. I had actually been her professor in graduate school years and years ago. And she said, Amy, I know you can write this book. We need this book. Would you write it? And I said, of course, I would love to. So that's sort of how the book came about. Um, My story woven into just a need in the market, especially I think in the Christian market, where if you read the book, you'll see the themes of just a very deep connection with God, with work, with self, Um, So I think this book provides a a good alternative voice to the Christian workplace market. Absolutely. I noticed that about it immediately, too. I read several chapters just on the flight home. And I love when you can balance that clinician piece of you with the, well, God, you know, that connection to God. I'm like, you don't see that combination very often. So I loved that about it. Can you define burnout for the listeners that they're listening going, what is burnout? I believe burnout is essentially a disconnection. It is a sense of dysregulated wholeness where you as a person, as a worker, as a child of the divine become sort of fragmented in some way and disconnected with 
um, what I believe is our, our greater purpose or our vocation, our calling, the purpose of our existence or our life. And we become disconnected from that for a variety of reasons. Some of those reasons are just the demands of the workplace, high workload, uh, nasty commute, um, difficult clients. Those are sort of the environmental factors, but we also become disconnected within ourselves where we question, what is the meaning of this? Is this really what I should be doing? What's my true calling? Um, why don't I feel good about my work or satisfied at the end of the day? So that's my definition. If you look at the research, there are other definitions such as um, work that fails to meet expectations. And then um, a lot of the burnout researchers really point to those environmental or external factors as the cause of burnout. You wrote about the three main characteristics of burnout. Can you tell the listeners what those are? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, the first one is just a sense of emotional exhaustion, which is probably the best way to describe it is exhaustion in one's heart, where you can take a long vacation or do all the things you do to rest, but you still don't feel rested. Um, so that emotional exhaustion, you can feel cynical, sarcastic. You're just tired all the time. The next is physical exhaustion, and that includes not being able to produce or, or do what you used to be able to do. So you're, you're so tired physically, your physical health is impacted, maybe you're sleeping, um, very common to put to gain weight, especially around the middle, around the adrenals. Um, adrenal exhaustion is another uh, sort of medical term for this. And then you just, as a result, can't get things done like you used to. You can't fill your to-do list. Um, you're, uh, you're just not productive. And then the third is just um, a loss of meaning. Like, why am I doing this? And what, what, what is the reason for this? Um, I started out my career with so much fire and zest and excitement. And it's just not feeling like it used to feel. And what does that mean? Is that something about me? Is it some, do I need to change my career? Um, so just that deep loss of, of meaning um, that you may gain, may have gained from work or hope to have gained from work. I loved how in the loss of meaning uh, part, you talked about that this is the stage where people might do things that they would never dream of doing, like an addiction or an affair or some other unethical behavior. Why is that? because you've lost yourself at that point. And I think it's, I'm really glad you asked me that question because we hear stories of colleagues who lose their license for sexual misconduct or people who do unethical things in business. And we look at that and it's so easy to say, well, I know that person, like they're not like that. Like what happened? And what happens is you get to that place where you are so disconnected from yourself and, and so disconnected from your sense of meaning or um, as a Christian person, your relationship or connection with God, um, that you don't think about things in a rational way or the way you typically would when you're feeling healthy and whole. That is such great perspective because, yeah, I think we've all witnessed that, either observing it or being the one in that seat where the behavior does not match up with the person that you know, and it's very confusing. 
Yeah. And I would add to that too, is that it's so easy to judge people when they get into trouble and say, oh, well, they just must not be who I really thought they were. Mm -hmm. But understanding it from this perspective that they became so exhausted that they disconnected from themselves, actually, I think is healing in the sense that we can offer them grace and also in our own humility to say, whoa, I could get there too. And I need to take steps to prevent myself from getting to that place. Yeah. Even as you're talking, I I felt that conviction within myself too. Just one more reminder about why it's so important to take care of ourselves along the way so you don't wake up and and going, who am I? Where, how did I land here? Uh, exactly. Yeah. That's, that's such great insight and wisdom. Um, I do have a question about, so the the subtitle of the book is what to do when your work isn't working for you. And so what would you say, and I would just love your thoughts on this, do stay-at-home moms or somebody who doesn't work in an actual workplace, do they experience burnout or is that something different? Oh, absolutely. Um, Because we have to remember that work is not vocation. Mm. Vocation comes from the Latin vocantum, which means calling. And that has to do with one's purpose. So you can become burned out when you lose a sense of meaning or you become physically exhausted or emotionally exhausted, even if you don't make a paycheck. Yeah. Yeah. I remember that being, I used to be a full-time stay-at-home mom when my, our kids were little. And in hindsight, I see, oh, I think I was going through some burnout because it was, it's a little bit mundane, like changing the diapers and, you know, kind of like, is this all that there is? And, you know, kind of some of those questions. So, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. I am also curious, what's the difference or is there a difference even between being burnt out and overbooked? Like, and by overbooked, I mean, where your life is just so busy, you're going from one thing to the next. Is there a difference in those two? Are they on the same spectrum? Yes, they can occur at the same time, but being overbooked versus being burned out. One, the first one being overbooked will feel better when you stop overbooking yourself. When you literally change your environment, um, reduce your schedule, slow down, take a vacation, get a better sleep schedule that exhaustion will go away once you change the environment. Burnout, to fix that or alleviate that, it takes more of a process of being, um, undoing the doing, which we can talk about in in a little bit, and going through this process of of basically reconnecting again. Yeah, and I do want to get to the resolutions that you give in the book. But first, one final question. What would be, for the listeners, what are some warning signs of burnout or that it's even on the way or that you're, you know, that it's close or something like that? Or do you have any? That's a great question. I think it's different for everyone, but I think if you begin to notice changes in you on any of those three levels, so emotional exhaustion, physical exhaustion, and loss of meaning. So maybe you're just a really cheerful person. All of a sudden, you're just really cynical and sarcastic all the time. And, and people are starting to comment like, oh, geez, Amy, like that you say you're joking, but it doesn't kind of feel like a joke. Or, or you just notice like, oh, man, I'm putting on a little weight and then, you know, I haven't really changed anything or... I'm just more irritable lately or just that sense of um, exhaustion in, in meaning like um, asking those existential spiritual questions like, God, like, 
really what you really want me to do this? Is this really my calling or man, I just, um, what's the purpose of this? Like, what good is this actually doing? Is this work actually doing for someone, my colleagues, my clients? I appreciated you breaking it down into those three areas because even just having verbiage to that has helped me to be, to just keep it in tune with it, you know, and to have somebody say, yeah, these are these areas that you, that are critical to just pay attention to. All right, now let's move on to, you write about the five intentions of burnout resolution. Um, mm-hmm. Obviously, you know, for the listeners to get to dive deep into these, they're going to need to get the book to do that. But I figured we could at least introduce the concepts to them and give them a little brief overview. So the first one, well, what would you be the best way? Do you want to explain them all or do you want me to bring up each one? Why don't you bring up each one and then give okay. me a, a prompt at what you think would be most helpful. Okay. Yeah. So the first one is uh, practice stillness so God can restore our soul. Mm-hmm. Let's hear about that. Love that. So, um, Rachel, you mentioned the, the the subtitle, what to do when work isn't working for you. And my an- my quick answer to that question is stop doing so it's sort of like a paradoxical statement and what to do is, is don't do anything. Um, don't do anymore. Learn to be. And um, stepping into that stillness of just presence and um, breath and connection, that is the first step of recognizing the burnout, how it's impacted you, and then where to go from there. And I appreciated all throughout the book you had this week's to be list. Can you give Mm -hmm. some examples if the listeners are kind of going, well, how do I move from to do over to be what, what are some Mm -hmm. examples of just being? I'll give an example from my own personal life. So on my to do list today, Friday, April 22nd, um, when we're recording this podcast, I had several meetings via zoom. I had to respond to emails and I had to grade a few papers. Also, I have a date with a friend today. And so those are everything on my to-do list. But on my to-be list, I can think about my presence during those times. So when I'm grading papers, I can intend to be fully connected to grading. Um, instead, so that might mean I silence my phone. I um, what I literally do often is set my timer for 25 minutes and focus on it. Um, on my outing with my friend today, um, we're going to go hiking. So just really making sure that I'm not focused on making, getting to the end goal, but taking it slow, looking around, noticing the color of the sky and the trees and the water, presence, um, being fully present, fully alive, experiencing the moment. I greatly appreciate that example because I know my brain, I don't know about the listeners, but my brain, when I think of a to-be list, I almost think of, oh, I need to sit still and do something and I need to like, it's almost like more to do's. Does that make sense? And I'm Mm -hmm. like, hold on. I like how you simplified that. And of course, sometimes to be's are, you know, like you said, going on a hike and things like that. But just even 
throughout your, it's almost like you merged the two together, your to-do list and your to-be list, because a to-do was to grade a paper, but your to-be was to be present while you graded that paper, you know, Mm -hmm. like fully present to that student and what they were doing. And that really blesses me, that perspective to go, hold on, I can take a to-do list item and make it, you know, infuse my to-be with it. And that just sounds very peaceful. I like that. Being is about connection. So you can be doing something, but um, you can also be in the presence of being or in the state of being at the same time, as long as you are in, are intentional about the connection. So whether it's the connection to the other person you're spending time with, um, connection to the task, even if it's a, even if it's changing diapers, um, where it's a mundane task, maybe a little unpleasant, Um, but to be fully present and connected to the the deeper meaning of this, like this blesses my child, this keeps my child safe and clean and protected. Um, and just embracing that, um, connection, that moment. And so just being like, Oh, check that off my to-do kids. Good. Now let's on to the next one. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. I've never heard anybody explain it like that. Thank you. (laughs) Um, Okay, so the second thing on the intentions is seek connection with God, myself, and work, right? Is that what it is? Yeah. Yeah. So we're, we're moving in that state of being into more intentional connection in these three areas. When we're burned out, we often experience connection on one or more of these areas, sometimes all three. So disconnection within yourself, disconnection with your work, and disconnection with God. And then the next one is cultivate awareness of who I am, where I am, and what I want to be. Explain that one. Again, just sort of that intentional connection of who I am as a person. Um, One of the things I teach my students all the time is um, vocation and your work. What if it could be about someone to be versus something to do? I think I mentioned that in chapter one in the book. Um, So, and that's that whole process of thinking about who am I to be today in this task? Who am I to be at work? Who am I to be on my commute when I'm singing worship songs? Who am I to be when I'm interacting with someone I love? Yeah. And can you imagine the atmosphere shift that would bring to into either your work environment, your home, or wherever you're planted, if we came in with that perspective? Absolutely. Yeah, it changes everything. Uh, This next one, I would love to also get some, hear some of your practical steps on it, the consistent steps to promote well-being in my work. What does that look like? So after you've undergone this process of reconnecting, um, especially reconnecting self, work, and God or reconnecting on those areas, you're, you're probably going to make some decisions. My, my suspicion is that you will have an awareness or maybe God or the Holy Spirit will sort of open a new understanding for you about how you do actually have to make some changes. Um, the difference, though, is that when you make those decisions from that state of wholeness and connection, you're way more likely to be successful. I think one of the the things that really leads to failure is, and I've seen this in therapy over and over, is that someone comes in and says, I'm going to set a new goal. I'm going to, I'm going to work out five days a week now. Um, That is an amazing goal and awesome. But where is that goal coming from? I wonder if we could sit down into this presence, really reconnect 
within yourself um, or find that disconnection, reconnect it. And then from that state, which is very peaceful, but also very purposeful and passionate, then make a goal. And maybe, maybe the goal is still going to be, you're going to work out five days a week. Great. But your motivation and your energy around it is much different and you're much more likely to succeed. Yeah. Cause it's almost like they're, we're making a decision from peace rather than fear or overwhelm or whatever. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah, that's good. All right. And then last step was focus on who I am to be, not what I am to do. We already kind of touched on this when we started talking about the to be list, but do you want to add anything to that one? I think this comes back to vocation and um, just looking at how we in Western cultures and particularly women, we're very socialized to be performers. Like what do you produce and how great do you look in your jeans and how many degrees do you have on your wall? It's about performance and, and that's, that's about doing. So the bigger question is who am I to be? Who am I to offer myself to the world? All my strengths, all my gifts and all my flaws. And that has more to do with my purpose and my gift of who I am than what I produce. And I have a, a question that just came to mind that I feel like the listeners will probably also appreciate. What happens when I know both my sp- my husband and I, we have talked openly about this, that um, we've both been through seasons of burnout. And again, it's a hindsight. You look back and you go, oh, I didn't, we didn't fully recognize, you know, that was happening and it caused discord in many areas because of one spouse being in burnout. Do you have advice for a listener who says, I'm not burnout, but my spouse is, you know, like once they're, you know, how, how can we support somebody that's in our life, whether it's a spouse or a family member or a friend or a coworker, or whatever, that we recognize they may be going through burnout? How can we best support them? That is a great question. So while burnout is not an official mental health diagnosis, the symptoms of it do mirror the symptoms of clinical depression. So that means it's serious. And if you are living with someone or you love someone who is experiencing burnout, it's something to be taken seriously. Now, the challenge might be if they don't want to take it seriously or they're sort of in minimizing and denial, which is very common in burnout, especially with very high performing type A people. So you can't really force or push anyone into getting help for it. But I think there is a little bit of freedom and release in you knowing that, wow, my, the person I love or my partner or my spouse is, um, or my colleague or my best friend, whoever it is, is really going through a crisis, whether they recognize it or not. And so perhaps I can have a little more empathy and grace for them in this season. And it also gives you permission to take care of yourself and maybe not take things personally or maybe um, do things in that relationship that support the person, even if it's just sort of in a soft way uh, to help them, you know, get through that season. And, And obviously there will be seasons that are more challenging, like graduate school, as I'm sure you remember, or parenting young children or starting a business. Those are seasons of life and vocation where it's very understandable that burnout's probably going to happen, or at least the physical exhaustion um, and a little bit of relationship distress is going to happen. So um, being able to support each other during that time is, is really, really essential. What are some examples of the soft ways? I love that phrase, actually, soft ways to help them. What, are, what would be some examples of that? 
sweetheart, can I make you lunch mm-hmm. and then prepare a healthy lunch? Or um, is there anything I can do to uh, support you, even if it just gives you 15 minutes of time back where you can go take a rest? Or, um, hey, I just listened to this great podcast. Let's listen to it in the car on our way to our date tonight, meaning a podcast on burnout. Yeah. Or something like that. <laughs> or, hey, can I read this little paragraph in this book I just read? Or um, something like that. You know your per- you know your person. Um, yeah. So things that would be special and meaningful to them. Yeah, that's such great advice. All right, and I do want to turn it back to the listener before we go, because uh, our time's almost up. I've loved our conversation. What if a listener has been listening today and they go, yep, that's me. I'm currently burnt out and they happen to stumble upon this podcast, which I believe the Lord, uh, you know, definitely leads the right listeners in at the right time. What would you say? What's your, your best piece of advice just for their next step right now? I, my advice is acknowledge it. Don't just be like, Oh, I'll get through it or, or this isn't really a thing or I can handle it. It's so easy to do that. So literally just take, even if it's one minute right now, slow down, breathe, and just let yourself acknowledge, I am experiencing burnout. Whether you do anything with it or not, just let allow yourself to say, I'm experiencing burnout. And also understand this is, this is a crisis. This is a, a vocational crisis. This is not just a normal thing of work. And so allowing yourself to actually admit you're in crisis and then attend to it would be my next, um, my next recommendation in whatever way um, feels right for you right now to attend to that crisis. And maybe that means you do nothing. Um, Maybe it means you pick up this book. Maybe it means you call a therapist or a pastor or a friend, whatever that means for you do that. Yeah. And it really, that brings me back around to where you began with your own story of just saying, I wrote this sentence down because it was so powerful. You said burnout almost changed the direction of my life. And that's Mm -hmm. powerful to think about. And it makes me really, it gives me that visual for how much of a crisis it really is. Because if you hadn't stopped and said, whoa, this is what I'm going through, you, you know, you could have ended up just a different direction that you weren't necessarily supposed Mm -hmm. to be um, making decisions from a place of burnout. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Well, thank you for coming on the show. Before we get off, I do want to make sure that you tell the listeners where they can connect with you. You've written another book as well. So anything you want to share with them about where they can find you and your books and all the things? Sure. You can find my books on Amazon and you can find me at my website at www.amyohanna.com. And you can also find me on LinkedIn. Perfect. And of course, those links will be in today's show notes as well. Well, Amy, thank you again for taking time to come on. I know this conversation blessed me. I know the listeners are going to feel the same. They're going to love you. And thank you for blessing us today. Thanks, Rachel. So nice to be here. Take care. Well, it is time for Let's Get Real Practical. This is the part of the show where we take the topic discussed with today's guest and we get into some practical steps you can implement into your life right now. Well, first up, if you're not listening to our Monday morning episodes on this topic of burnout, I pray that this episode inspired you to tune into those. And of course, be sure to share those with a friend or a family member who might be experiencing some burnout and share this episode with them as well. 
All right, and it's kind of fun when I interview other counselors because they're really great at giving y'all practical tools along the way. I think as counselors, it's one of those things that's just ingrained in us to be constantly equipping our people. And so really, I wanna just recap something that Amy discussed, but it's powerful enough that I want you to hear it again and just soak it in and make it part of your everyday life. So let's talk about that to-do list versus to-be list. I don't know, I mean, I know I said this in the interview, but I just have to say it to you all again, friend to friend. I don't know why that was just so eye-opening for me to see that perspective of, wait a second, we can merge our to-do list and our to-be list? I don't know why, maybe I'm solo on this. If if I'm solo, then I don't know. But if if you can relate, I would love for you to send me a message or write a review or something and just say, yeah, that's me too, Rachel. Uh, so I don't just feel so out here on my own. But I had never really thought of merging the two. I always just envisioned my to-do list on one side of the column and then the to-be on the other. And I think the to-be list is a little confusing sometimes. I was talking to my husband about this recently and I was like, yeah, you know, I always just was had a hard time with being. Like, does that mean you just sit there and you just like try to, you know, meditate or something? Which, you know, if you're a high functioning functioning person like myself, it is hard to sit still. I'll admit that. But that was just always something I had a hard time wrapping my brain around. So let's recap what Dr. Amy taught us about this. Take a look at your to-do list. Now, if you're one of those people who doesn't write a to-do list or you don't even have it on an app or a you know Google Calendar or whatever, I guarantee that you have one in your head. I know you, I know back to my husband's this way. He doesn't write anything down, it's all in his head. And it makes me like, I'm like, how do you function like that? I don't understand. But we all have either a physical to-do list or a mental to-do list. So I want you to look at that for a second. And I want you just to take one of those things off the to-do list. Maybe one of the things is go grocery shopping. That's a common one we've all got on there, right? What if we practiced being as we do? That is your assignment this week, to take that to-do list and insert the be in that to-do. So be present in the moment. And as we practice this, we will get to experience the art of being fully there and watch as we connect to God, ourselves, and others around us. So for example, if on my to-do list was grocery shopping, what if instead of scrolling through my phone and sprinting in and out of the store as quick as I could, I actually just had my eyes up have my phone in my pocket, unless my grocery list is on there, of course, but actually noticed people around me, noticed what I was doing, noticed the food I was looking at or the, you know, whatever I was shopping for, just you were really present in that moment. I don't know about you, but I've tried this sometimes and it's powerful. And I also am always convicted when I do this because I'm thinking, man, Lord, I would have missed some powerful connection moments with other people and even with the Lord if I had not been fully present to that moment. All right, and then finally, guys, I wanna just encourage you again, 
If you're listening and you are currently burned out, please get help. I want you to take it seriously. You can start by talking to a friend, of course, a pastor, or even a licensed professional. Just don't walk through it alone. Well, that's it for today's episode. Be sure you tune in next Monday morning as we continue this conversation on our talk therapy episodes. I pray this Real Talk episode brought you one step closer to living free and pursuing your God-given dreams. I'll see you back here next time on Real Talk with Rachel.